Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome to episode 101 of <laughs> Killer Hangover. This is Bettina. And I'm Beth. Oh my gosh, 101. Ah, it's just so silly to say. Uh, kind of cool though, kind of cool. I'm still just kind of in shock that it's even, you know, the that thing. We hit 100. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope our listeners enjoyed that 100 episode because we sure had fun putting it together. We had a lot of fun putting that together. <laughs> I even had a lot of fun even editing it because I was just like, oh, oh, my God, I forgot how cool these stories were. The bizarreties. <laughs> bizarreties. Oh, boy. Oh, well, moving on from the bizarreties, unfortunately, we're going to this week cover true crime and paranormal from the state of Pennsylvania. Yep. I have the true crime and Bethy has the paranormal and drink. What are we drinking? What are you drinking? (laughs) We're back to doing things virtually. My cocktail is not from Pennsylvania. (laughs) Okay. But it has something to do with my paranormal this week. Okay, I'll go with it since I usually, I've been known to do that. Okay, mine is called the White Lady Cocktail Recipe. Not <laughs> a white lady. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. the White Lady. I looked for Lady in White to try to be a mm-hmm. little more politically correct, but uh, <laughs> the White Lady Cocktail is all I came up with. My apologies. I found all my information about the White Lady Cocktail on twofoodtrippers.com. And they have like the history of cocktails and how they're made and all this kind of stuff. It's actually very cool. Very fun website. So they say that the White Lady, and this is actually, I saw this on a few websites when I was looking up Lady in White, White Lady kind of a cocktail. Uh, It says that the history reveals that the White Lady cocktail was probably invented by a Harry, but we're not sure which Harry. (laughs) It's like George, but not really sure which George. (laughs) One inventor could be Harry McElhone. There we are with pronunciations. He was a Scottish bartender. Uh, He claimed to have invented the White Lady in London before he purchased a bar in Paris. Uh, Another inventor could be Harry Craddock. He was a British bartender at the American bar at the Savoy Hotel. So one of those Harrys created the white lady. White. Have you ever had a white lady? I don't know. Tell me what's in it. I'll let you know. They say it's in the sidecar family. Okay. And it has other names that it's gone by. It's also gone by Chelsea Sidecar, the Delilah, the white lady... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's ringing some bells. <laughs> no, the ringing of the bells was shooting tequila. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's true. Well, you can actually substitute. It calls for gin. 
But this website said that if you want to replace the gin with tequila and the lemon juice with lime juice, it creates a margarita kind of a cocktail. But anyway, (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. So this cocktail calls for two ounces of dried gin. And I really didn't think I liked gin, but I think I'm coming around to it. I like it. So welcome to the gin crowd. I'm very, yeah, I was surprised. Then you use a half ounce of Contro, a new liquor I had never heard of, but I guess it's like a, an orange liqueur. Some recipes, other recipes I saw said that you could substitute it with triple sec. Okay. Uh, then you use a half ounce of lemon juice, and then there's an optional egg white. Optional egg white. Okay. Used All right. as well. So the, the instructions are that you combine the dry gin the Contro, lemon juice, and the egg white in a shaker. You shake it vigorously for 10 seconds so that the egg white emulsifies. Then you add several ice cubes and shake for 20 seconds until the liquids are mixed and chilled. Nice. Strain into a glass and add a lemon twist as a garnish. And I sat there, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. (laughs) With my shaker. And I did the egg. I love. I thought the egg would be gross, but I love drinks with egg now. It adds a really fun, foamy... I think it adds a creamy texture to the yeah. drink. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, pretty dang good. And like I said, I'm surprising myself with the gin. There you go. Yeah. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. You can't count mississippi Ha <laughs> Friends reference if anybody gets it. I am so sorry, but you add tequila to that drink and said, Jenny, you do have a margarita. Yeah, and that's what their website said. That's what their website said. But would you still add the egg white to that? No, probably not to the margarita. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, I'm sure you could, but no. So this is a white lady. Nice. We're going to call it the lady in white to be a little more politically correct and have a deal with my story. And to go with your story. More More importantly, to go with your story. Okay. Uh, Well. It's really good, though. It's really good. I just keep surprising myself with things that I'm liking. I don't know. Maybe I had a really bad gin cocktail and I turned myself off from it. But yummy, yummy, yummy. Good. Well, I'm going to see you this weekend. Maybe we'll have one together. Sure. We can shake the shaker together. Why? Why? Why would we do that? That made no sense. Just just go on to your true crime story, Mom. All right. I will start off by saying that not too much information is out there about this true crime, but it's fascinating. Uh, news of it came out probably about four weeks ago. What does a bright, sunny morning 58 years ago, a little girl, generations of state police, and a family tree have in common. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) You may have heard about this case recently. The Pennsylvania State Police announced on February 10th, 2022, that this cold case was solved, which shed a light in the lives of the Chivarella family, as well as the small coal town of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. On March 18th, 1964. Nine-year-old Marisa Ann Chivarella was on her way to school, carrying items she was to drop off at the church on her way. She was last seen around 8.10 a.m. 
Her body was found that afternoon around one in a stripping hole. Um, that's where they put, this is a coal mining town. So okay. they would, uh, and what they didn't use, they would dig up these big holes to pour the excess into these holes. That's the way I understood okay. it. So her little body was found in one of those holes. She had been raped and strangled. The police were stumped at the time. They had nothing to go on but some fluid, which turned out to be sperm, that was found on Marisa's jacket. Of course, they could do nothing at the time. This is 1964. Sure. They could do nothing with the sample, but fortunately, they preserved it. Marissa's family was, of course, devastated, and the town was thrown. Something this violent and evil had never happened in the small community. Marissa was described as a quiet, kind little girl who enjoyed playing the organ, of all things, and her dream was to become a nun when she got older. Oh, my heart. Her family is very, very Catholic, and she was a, a very devout little girl. For all it seemed that this sweet little girl was just randomly picked by the killer, perhaps because she was walking alone that morning. Who knows? The case, unfortunately, went cold. In 2007, Pennsylvania's DNA lab, using the preserved fluid, developed the suspect's DNA profile. But there were no matches. This did not deter the police. They were hell-bent on solving this case, so much so that they would check the database monthly for any matches. Wow. Over 4,000 pages have been filed on this case since its beginning. Over 230 department personnel were involved in the investigation. Then, boom. In 2019, the DNA was uploaded to GED Match, a genealogical database. Police found a genealogical match, but from a very distant relative uh, like sixth or seventh cousin. Oh my gosh. Close, but no. What do they say? <laughs> close, no but no. Cigar. Yeah. But <laughs> so, close, but no name. <laughs> then in 2020, <laughs> in 2020, 18 year old Eric Schubert contacted the police. He thought he could trace the family tree given the genealogical match. Crazy. But this guy had actually helped several other police departments with their cold cases. He started his interest in genealogical work at age 10. He's 18? Yeah. He was 18 when he contacted them in 2020. He was 18. And he had already helped other cases? Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So as he got older, so he became interested when he was 10. And he, as he got older, he became more and more interested and invested into it. At 14, 14 years old, he started his own genealogical business. Oh, my gosh. E.S genealogy. He is a history major at Elizabethtown College in Pennsylvania. By the time he was 19, he had helped with a thousand cases. That now, is incredible. Now, most of these were like adoption cases, finding biological mothers, fathers, children, blah, 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 you know, that kind but of stuff. But who cares? Like, that's awesome. But he was still helping people, right? Yeah. I mean, so when I say a thousand cases, don't think that those are all cult cases because the right. majority of them were not. But still, holy smokes. I mean, he's 19 years old and he had that's, already helped with that many. That's awesome. The kid's going places for sure. <sighs> 
Through the cold cases, Eric had learned how to work with police, police protocol, and how many cold cases there actually are. Eric intentionally was reaching out to departments to offer his assistance. Now, agencies reached out to him for help. So from what I understand in the Pennsylvania case, Eric started with the genealogical match police had from the distant relative. With that, he worked on on the match's family tree, following it down to a closer relation. He then had names of relatives scattered through the U.S., Fortunately, in this case, many of those relatives were very willing to provide their DNA samples. Yeah, that's good because that's not always the case. Exactly. This process obviously takes time, but the suspect was finally narrowed down to James Paul Forte, a name that had never come up throughout the years on this case, causing the investigators to surmise more strongly that this was a random crime. Forte's name, and I'm believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's F-O-R-T-E. Forte. Yeah. His name did not come up in this case, but that doesn't mean he didn't have a record. Now, this is kind of puzzling to me. But anyway, he was arrested in 1974 on sexual assault charges and served a year of probation. And in 1978, he was arrested on reckless endangerment. Oh, geez. Not much is available on the reckless endangerment charge. I couldn't find too much at all. Uh, But I did look up the definition. So (laughs) reckless endangerment is a person commits a misdemeanor of the second degree if he recklessly engages in conduct, conduct which places or may place another person in danger of death or serious bodily injury. So not good. Yeah, got it. (laughs) Now... I'm a little confused on this, okay? So I think both of those crimes were committed in Pennsylvania. At least I didn't read anything to say that they weren't. So I don't know why his fingerprints didn't pop up earlier in this case. But they found fingerprints on her body? Oh. oh, Yeah, they they're not comparing Probably didn't take the DNA. Yeah. They were they just didn't comparing. Take his DNA. Okay, no. let's just say I'm really stupid and just scratch that. <clears throat> no, you're not stupid. I mean, I thought there was toe prints. (laughs) You just were really into the case. Sometimes it's hard to see (laughs) the logistics of things. (laughs) (laughs) This guy totally flew under the radar. He graduated in 1959 from Hazleton High School, probably the same school Marisa would have gone to given the chance. He only had one picture in the 1959 school year book. So he had this picture, his senior picture, okay, in the yearbook. And on the side of it, you know how they always say, like, the future, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. I don't, they used to in the old uh, yearbooks. But anyway, that's what it says. Tall, blue-eyed, and handsome. Loves to sleep. Sports Iris favorite, especially baseball. Future, undecided. Wow. (laughs) That was the only picture and the only anything on this guy ever in high school. <laughs> oh, uh, kind of a loner, kept to himself, I he guess. He was not a joiner, that's for sure. And pretty much this guy had little to no ambition. He was 22 when he killed Marisa and 38 when he died. Oh, wow. He died at his place of work, a Hazel Township ballroom on May 16th, 1980 from heart failure. At 38? Mm-hmm. Some articles stated that he was known for his aggression and anger problems, but I didn't read anything as far as police records to hold that up. 
I'm just thinking out loud here, but I don't know. A guy with no criminal record in 1964 just randomly abducts, rapes, and kills a little girl on her way to school one morning. It just doesn't make sense to me. It makes me wonder if he'd done this before. Yeah. Maybe not killing, but the abduction and rape. Then there's a 10-year gap with nothing until 1974 and the assault. Does something happen in between those years? And we just don't know about it. I don't know. Maybe there's, I mean, who knows? Maybe there's other victims, other cold cases out there, and they'll go back to him also. I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, that's really rare that somebody, I mean, that's kind of a big thing, abducting, raping, murdering. Like, that's kind of... A progression. Yeah. You know, you progress to that. You don't all of a sudden one day just do it. I mean, even if her death was an accident, there had to have been something that, I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Anyway, his body was exhumed in January 2022, and his DNA matched perfectly with the DNA left on Marisa's jacket. Such a sad and utterly senseless murder. There was absolutely no connection between Forte and the Chivarella family. Just random and senseless. As you can probably tell, this randomness just angers me. <clears throat> a guy with no ambition senselessly rapes and kills this quiet, unassuming little girl. This just makes me so mad. You know, the killing has such a randomness to it anyway. And it's, but this one for some reason just made me so mad because this guy was, anyway. Well, he basically got away with it, too. I mean, it's not like he died in prison or got caught for something else. Like he lived his life and like that. That's so unfair that he didn't. Well, this this whole scenario, just I don't know if you see her little picture. I mean, she's just this sweet little girl who wanted to be a nun. I mean, it's just like it's heartbreaking. Her parents were so much better than I am. They are unfortunately dead and had never known the closing of their daughter's murder. I hate that. Marisa's siblings stated that their parents, nor themselves, ever sought revenge or punishment for the murderer. They just wanted justice. And finally, on February 10th, 2022, justice was announced. But it was just announced way too late. It, it's the story, I think, is really, well, came to our attention, to the nation's attention, because this 20-year-old helped solve it, you know, by the DNA, which I think is so awesomely cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, thank God for DNA stuff now. Yeah. Like, he said that some police departments totally embrace it and, yes, help us, please. You know, we got to get these cold cases and others are a little hesitant, you know, still mm-hmm. not quite sure about the whole DNA thing and the family tree and that kind of stuff. But hopefully in the future, that'll just become part of the whole, you know, part of the whole tracking down a killer. Well, I know that, like, I'm on Ancestry and... I think it's so fun when I get an email and it's like, you have a new match. But sometimes it's really funny because it's like, you have a new match. And I go and I look and it was my Aunt Chris matched with me, but it said she was like my seventh cousin or something like that. (laughs) Well, so you have that. And then he still was able to track everything down. Oh, I'm sure his capabilities can change that seventh cousin and he can track a tree a little better but 
<laughs> seventh cousin. Well, that's what I have on that. That's all I got to say about that's that. All, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Life's just a box of chocolates. <laughs> Moving um, on. Okay. Moving on. And I'm like old school at this one. I printed out my notes because. Oh, yeah, you my, did. I see that. Jeez. My iPad died and I didn't have time to charge it. So we are doing old school. I had a lot of fun with this haunting this week. Let's see if you guys can keep up because I'm going to bounce around a lot. And she said, Jen, <laughs> welcome to the way Beth's brain works. Okay, so it all started with the Google and searching for haunted places in Pennsylvania, <laughs> ghost stories in Pennsylvania, <laughs> legends of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I stumbled across the legend of the walking statue in Lancaster. <laughs> so this is not just a statue. It's a large tombstone monument. It's located in the 20-acre Lancaster Cemetery, basically in the center of town. And it is the tombstone for Augusta Harriet Bittner, who died in 1906 at the young age of 22. The statue is life-size, and some resources said it was made in the likeness of Augusta. It is made of white Italian marble. The woman of the statue has this flowing white dress and flowing hair. She's seen standing on what looks to be stairs with a pillar wrapped in ivy next to her. Her favorite hymn, The Lord is My Shepherd, I Shall Not Want, is engraved on the pillar, as well as, and this adds to the haunting mystery of it all, also engraved is, quote, could love have kept her, unquote. Oh, there have been many tales about this statue being seen walking the cemetery on the nights of a full moon. OK, now wait, just a minute. Can I can I just I'm trying to picture it. OK, mm -hmm, so does mm -hmm. she tear herself away from the pillar and the stairs and just she walks or does the whole thing kind of she just steps off the stairs and walks around and just floats. OK, mm -hmm. yes. OK. Green sparks have been seen on her or coming from her eyes, depending oh, on the resource. Oh, wow. The statue has had tears fall from her eyes as well. Oh. Some forms of the legend have her dying in childbirth. So she's crying for her child that's not buried with her. Mm -hmm. Some say that her spirit steps out of the statue in the form of a woman in white and wanders the cemetery, crying for her true love. How annoying if you live near the cemetery, cemetery though. <laughs> this chick is just wandering around the cemetery. Oh, Todd. Oh, I love you, Todd. Oh, there's Augusta again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It reminds me of um, Moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was in the back of my mind and I couldn't like quite place it, but you're exactly right. <laughs> oh, Augusta, golly. Take a <laughs> shot of gin. Calm down. <laughs> what adds to these haunting sights of the walking statue are the legends, of course, of Augusta. 
some legends say she died in childbirth, like I said. The main legend says that she died on her wedding day, tripping on her gown and down oh. some stairs. Oh. This would be why the statue is seen in a flowing gown placed on what looks to be stairs. And it's interesting, but the monument has her maiden name on it, Augusta Harriet Bittner. Okay. And so Bittner's her maiden name. It's not her married name. Got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. And in all actuality, proven by a historian, Augusta did not die by tripping downstairs. She did get married to a Stanley Tevis. They moved to Philadelphia. They had a baby about seven months after they were married. So do the math there. She actually ended up dying of typhoid only a few months later. Oh, so she actually got married, moved to Philly, had a baby and died all within like 13 months. But they didn't recognize her married name. Yeah, and I'm wondering if it's like they didn't like him, especially because that quote, could love have kept her? Maybe they like blamed him because I guess the water line, like the sewage line and all that in Philadelphia was all really new. So I think she got really sick from the water in, in the city and then she got typhoid and died. I don't know if one has to do with the other. My sister is probably rolling her eyes at me right now. <laughs> but that's what I read. So maybe they like didn't honor the marriage because they blamed him for taking her away from them. Or like I said, she had the baby seven months after they were married. So they didn't want to honor that. Right. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe love if what if love could have kept her. What could love have kept her? Oh, maybe she was sad. Maybe she was actually in love with somebody else, you know, and then I don't know. We could just go on with this all night long. (laughs) We could really make this story for Augusta. Let's see. Agonizing Augusta. (laughs) Agonizing, anguished Augusta. Anguished Augusta. Her parents created the statue monument for her burial. Uh, like I said, her maiden name is there. Let's see, Beth. Let's what's something new in your notes here. They must have been um, very wealthy. I don't know. I didn't read that. Sorry. Well, it's a marble statue. I would assume that Italian they were, marble. It's like yeah. slate white. Like it's I'm assuming really that pretty. they were probably pretty wealthy. And it's life size. Jeez. Life sized. Life size. I don't know. So perhaps because of its size or be- or perhaps because it's pure white and it's easily seen at night. Night, yeah. Um, or perhaps the statue does really come to life at night and takes a nice stroll around Lancaster Cemetery. Okay, so I wrote all that up and I'm like, boo, that's really short. And, <laughs> and without the legend and historical facts, it's just another story of a woman in white. So... Follow Beth's brain here. Why all of these stories of a woman in white? Mm-hmm. So I started looking into it. Nowadays, in modern ghost stories, woman in white is usually tied to some tragic love story. She couldn't have the man she loved or a death of some one of her loves or her and it some tragic way happened. Sad, sad tears. And now a woman in white is seen. But going back in time, a woman in white has always been a legend Hmm. in medieval legend 
a lady in white is believed to appear by day as well as night in a house in which a family member is soon to die. <gasps> Ooh. In Holland and in Germany, centuries ago, women in white are said to be healers and gentle spirits. In Germany, they appear at noon, <laughs> blinding the seer with their beauty. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and then what happens? They, they don't die, though. No, she just, a woman in white appears at noon and she blinds the seer with their beauty. Well, I don't know. Maybe they're blind forever after that. I don't know. <laughs> Those Germans are pretty functional. Oh, it's 12 o'clock. <laughs> in Dutch legend, they appear in graveyards at night, but they appear, um, they're healers and they help aid spirits. Okay. Spirits pass to the next realm or? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So they're. They're appearing in graveyards. Okay. Where the dead people are. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in some cultures, they're not necessarily ghosts. Some actually treat ladies in white as elves. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I was like, nurses or... <laughs> but no, elves... An elf. In Ireland, a wailing woman in white is seen and foretells death. Uh, wow. In Mexico, they have the La Lorena legend, the tale of a woman who drowned her children and lurks by the water to drown more. Oh, and my she gosh. Is, she is seen in white as She well. has no right to wear white. This is, it's just interesting. It is different cultures yeah. because like and it's all the, the modern white. Western yeah. culture, a woman in white is usually, think about it. The stories we've told, the woman in white is usually like Augusta, anguished and oh, yep. my true love. Wringing uh, her hands at the window or walking on the beach. and Yeah. yeah. And she died in some suicide because or she's looking know, for her soldier husband. Yeah, yep. it's all. And so that's just interesting that that's modern civilization. But all these different cultures see a woman in white or they go blind, but they see a woman in white as a different thing. I just think that's really interesting. Um, so also there's a Brazilian lady in white, Dama Branca, the ghost of a young woman who died of childbirth or violent causes. Their, their legends of the women in white tell stories of women dying or being killed in honor killings, there are also shame killings, which is a murder of an individual, either an outsider or a member of a family, by someone seeking to protect what they see as the dignity and honor of themselves or their family. In Japan, their women in white legend is a vengeful spirit that attaches to things and attacks people that come in contact with them. Oh. So... A lady in white is seen all over the world, but shares a different meaning wherever she is seen. Oh, I kind of like that uh, forecast to the future, which is scary as heck. But, you know, oh, somebody I think is going... I, I like the elves story a little better. <laughs> I also found some women in white stories that I wanted to share. All right. These I found on gizmodo.com. G-I-Z-M-O-D-O. -O. The article is 
why are there so many ghost stories about a woman in white? (laughs) By Esther Inglis Arkell. Pretty much sums it up. Yes. So here are some personal stories or comments on that website. My lady in white story didn't happen to me, but a friend. The twist here is that he is a super atheist. Not only does he not believe in God, but he doesn't believe in spirits, luck, or fate. Basically, if science can't prove it, he isn't going to believe in it. Which leads to his story. We were working together one day, and he was telling me how one night he was returning home from whatever in his car. The street he's driving down, Elbow Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, is well known by the locals for being incredibly creepy. For one thing, it's a boonie road. It cuts through the woods with no street lamps to guide you. If there is no moon or headlights, you are swimming in black in night. Right. Pure, thick as mud, black. Even worse, on either side of the road are deep drainage dishes. Ditches. Not dishes. Ditches. Like gashes in the ground. Perfect. This person just paints this picture, doesn't? don't they? Yeah, yeah. Perfect spots to dump a body, which people have done in the past. Oh, my gosh. He's driving down this road, speeding, actually, because it's beyond late and he's exhausted. Turning the curb, because it wouldn't be elbow road without one, a <laughs> woman appears in his headlights. He hits the brakes. The car screeches to a stop, but not before hitting the woman. <gasps> or at least seemingly hitting the woman, because there's no bump back that you get from slamming into a body. Still, he jumps out of the car to check for damage and to see if he can locate the woman, whom he thinks must be dead. But there is no woman. The bumper is clean. He checks the ditches on either side using the glow of his headlights. Still, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He climbs back in the car and backs up shining the headlights on as much as the road behind him and in front of him as he can. Still, nothing. Confused, he gets back in the car and goes home. The next day when the sun is up, he goes back looking for proof if he hit anything. There's not a single clue. He watches the news to see if anyone reports a body found on Elbow Road. (laughs) Nothing comes. He does not know what to make of it. Fast forward a year after telling me this, when another friend of mine tells me how haunted that street is. There's a woman in white that likes to jump in front of cars. That's why I never drive there at night. I hate ghosts. Oh my gosh. I think of my friend, my skeptical friend. He had witnessed the lady in white. Even now with him having witnessed it for himself, he still says that it wasn't a ghost. He'll admit that he doesn't know exactly what it is, but... Again, it wasn't a ghost. The guy hit proof, and he still doesn't believe. Amazing. Oh, good storyteller, man. I thought so. Painted the picture perfect. Okay, this is another one. I heard a few good women in white stories in college. The first was about a young woman who had lived on the farm that eventually became the college campus. This was Marlboro College in Vermont. She fell in love with a traveling salesman, but he left her pregnant and heartbroken. Humiliated, she hung herself in the barn, which would later become a classroom building. 
Supposedly, because she was a suicide, she was buried on the property rather than in the hallowed ground of the cemetery down the road. Mm. And when they broke ground for the dorms 20 years later, her skeleton was disturbed, causing her to haunt the pathway between the lower dorms and the library. I never saw anything. But there was a really drunk girl that showed up at a party one night, dressed in white and soaking wet, who freaked us all the F out. (laughs) (laughs) This one didn't happen to me or in any place I'd ever lived, but I still find it creepy. This person's going on. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) This guy Dave I knew had grown up in Illinois, somewhere outside of Chicago. He was driving with a friend late one winter night, on this long, flat highway with frozen cornfields on either side. It was so flat that you could see forever in all directions. And one of those long Midwest highways where you can drive for hours without passing a town. Anyway, they were talking and joking and trying to stay awake, and they both noticed a woman ahead, walking by the side of the road. She was dressed lightly Illinois in December. I think maybe they meant dressed lightly for being Illinois in December. Uh High white boots, short white skirt, and a white fur coat with long black hair streaming down her back. Because the road was so flat, it actually took a while for Dave and his friend to reach the woman. So they had plenty of time to wonder aloud who she was, where she'd come from, and whether she was in trouble. When they finally reached her, Dave slowed down to see if she needed help. The woman turned, leaned towards the car, and with a look Dave described as, more utter hatred than I've ever seen in my life, flipped them the bird. The two were a little freaked out and kept going, but after a while they decided that the woman's bizarre behavior only proved that she probably did need help and that they should go back and check on her. Oh. So they turned around and drove back. Only ten minutes or so had passed, but they drove a full half hour on the long flat highway with nothing but frozen flat fields on either side. And they never saw the young woman again. Ooh. Oh, man. And that's two people witnessing the same thing. Wow. Okay. I have a couple more. There are a lot of ghosts said to haunt my hometown and the towns around it, including women in white and ghost headlights. But one stood tall among them all for a few weeks about 10 years ago. About 20 miles or so from me, there is a roundabout. One of those circular junctions Americans are so fond of making jokes about in TV shows and movies. On the edge of town. (laughs) There had been a few accidents over the years on the roads leading up to the junction. Hardly surprising as there are housing estates quite close by. One winter evening, a motorist almost crashed when he saw a woman in white standing in the middle of the grass circle at the junction center. He said he could see her in the rearview mirror as he drove off. She turned to watch him speed away. There are more reports of the same woman over the following nights, always turning to watch the cars fade into the distance, never moving apart from that. It was said that she had no visible feet, pale skin on her face and hands and long, dark hair. Apart from these facts, the descriptions were vague, with some claiming to have seen a face, some having seen no face as her hair was hanging down around it. Ew, that's creepy. Oh, that's creepy. Theories were formulated mostly based around muddled descriptions and supposed recollections of a woman or a girl who had been run over by accident or threw herself under a car somewhere between five and 30 years before. That's a big gap. (laughs) For two glorious weeks, she became the white woman of the roundabout. After that, someone decided to stake the place out to see what was going on. What they discovered was far stranger than they could have ever imagined. 
Shortly after sunset, each evening, a group of kids will go out to the roundabout and throw a white sheet over a bush growing in the grass center. A few hours later, they would come back and remove it. There was no attempt to make it look like a human, much less a woman in white. (laughs) They didn't add anything for hair or even leave any of the bush sticking out. They just threw a sheet over it and walked away laughing. (laughs) Just goes to show how those things can be exaggerated to the point of legend. (laughs) I swear, if her eyes followed me. (laughs) Her hair hung over her face. Or even the stories that they saw a face. It was literally just a sheet over a bush. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's great. Isn't that hysterical? It really shows, like, what the human mind can do and right freak ourselves out. Like, that first person saw it, and then maybe word got out, and then more people were, like, seeing it, you know, as that. That's hilarious. I, why didn't anybody call the police? Like, if there's a woman standing in the middle of this roundabout, maybe she needs help. Why didn't anyone call the police? I don't know. I think you're thinking too much into it. (laughs) Okay, I have two more. This one's probably my favorite. Ghosts always look like they're wearing white. It could be a lady in lavender, but you can't tell because ghost clothes have no color. It's just logic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Duh. Ghost clothes have no color. Duh. (laughs) Oh, my God. I thought that was so funny. This person seemed really peeved that everybody was wasting their time with this. Okay. Then this is the last one. Couple of weeks back, there was a woman in white spooking drivers near the town of Bor in Serbia. It even made the national news. Turns out it was a dude in a wedding dress. Police said he was mentally disturbed. I'd go for stoned out of his mind and as bored as the proverbial sword in the stone. <laughs> it made national news people really did think this was a woman in white it's oh just a man gosh. in a wedding dress anyway oh i thought that God. was funny <laughs> we could we could start something here <laughs> golly well that's uh the way beth's brain works went from a story of a walking statue and an anguished augusta to well, I'm happy you followed up on that because we've talked about the lady in white so often. I think it's super fascinating, though, that every culture has. And I mean, a lady in white was even back in medieval times. Like, I think that's so. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I think that's interesting. But. Huh. Well, thank you. That's all I got to say about that. That's interesting. Thanks. You're welcome. For looking into that. You're welcome. <laughs> Well, this is episode 101. For photos and sources and how to get in touch with us, you can check out our website, killerhangoverpodcast.com. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. What else, Mom? What else do we have to say about this? (laughs) If you like what you hear, uh, you can give us a rating wherever you listen on whichever platform you listen. We really do appreciate all the positive reviews and ratings and keep those recommendations coming. We love them. 
Yes, definitely. Drink recommendations, states, hauntings, whatever you have, send them our way and we'll do some research and give you a shout out. Yes, we will. Well, thank you so much for listening to us 101 times. I still can't believe it. My gin is gone. Well, virtual cheers. Virtual cheers, mama. Cheers. Love you, kid.